Disease X. Something to be worried about? Probably. A hackable heart. Hmm. This is a weird one, but ooh, yeah, something else to keep an eye out for. And Davos party secrets. Partying with the rich and famous and wannabes and egomaniacs and Nazis. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. <laughs> Ah, man, it is 10 a.m. on the east coast of the United States of America, and congratulations to Donald J. Trump, winner hands down of the Iowa caucus. Ah, man, I'm telling you, it was just, uh, what was it like every district he won? Something like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, We've got, uh, let's see, where are we here? Here we go. Um, no, that's not it. Where is it? Hello? <laughs> Hang with me, folks. I had this all set because it's not on our list, but I wanted to get you the latest. Uh, so here is the latest. Trump wins the Iowa caucus. Historic landslide. Ramaswamy drops out yeah former president captured 51 percent of the vote winning a record margin over second place ron DeSantis. nikki haley came in third but the numbers were devastating wow look at this 51 percent DeSantis 21 19 for haley ramaswamy 7.7. Ouch. One of the things that did happen, which basically to me is, is brilliant, is Vivek Ramaswamy pulled out of the race, graciously gave his full endorsement to President Trump. He said, as I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race, and I called Donald Trump to tell him that. Vivek, in a truly right thing to do, has pulled out, put his support behind Trump, and I'm telling you, he has done a couple of things. He's done a lot of things. But one of the things he's done is set himself up for just about any post in the Trump administration he wants. And he's also set himself into very good standing for a 2028 run. I'm telling you, I have gone hot and cold on this guy. There's times I seem to feel like I don't trust him. There's times I am amazed at the things he says. Take a look at just a short piece of his speech last night. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. There you go, folks. The man is a... Either a really good con artist, and there's like this little 5% of me that thinks, I'm not so sure. Or he is quite a statesman and is seriously somebody to look at for 2028. He's set himself up for it. Wow. Anyway, Trump wins the Iowa caucus. <laughs> And the momentum, the big mo, gets going. Hey, thank you and hello to Canadian Trump Geek. One of our latest followers here on Rumble. We appreciate you giving us a follow. Thank you very much. If you have a free Rumble account, which is easy to sign up for, you can do it with Google or your Facebook account or your email. Just 
hit that follow button and thank you. It helps the show out a lot. In addition to that, it, uh, what was that? It also helps to show out a lot, and it's free for you. So thank you very much. All right. One of our great sponsors, just give me a second here to tell you about Blackout Coffee. A new opportunity coming soon. What is this? Well, I'll have to check that out later. All right. We're back on Start Engine. Cool. All right. Let's see if we can get back to the homepage here and tell you about this all-American coffee company that is awake, not woke. Get some coffee with some values. Blackout Coffee. Brutal Awakening, Dark Roast, Morning Reaper. These are all the, the different roasts. Uh, 2A Medium Roast. By the way, that 2A stands for Second Amendment. Wow. Signature blends, partner roasts, flavored coffee, if you're into flavored coffee. Ooh, chocolate cherry. You remember those things, those chocolate-covered cherries? I haven't had those in years. I used to love those. They were so sickeningly sweet. Uh, cinnamon French toast. I'm not a big coffee, flavored coffee guy, but these sound nice. They have single-serve coffee pods, if that's how you use your coffee also. They can do that for you. Five-pound bags, if you're a kind of coffee drinker like I am. Hoodies, shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. The Dan Bongino Show, The Benny Show, Human Events Daily, Charlie Kirk, they are all a part of Blackout Coffee. Take a look. I want to play this. I don't often, and in fact, I don't think I've ever played this, but it's a great little video. Shows you a little bit of the behind the scenes of Blackout Coffee. coffee the uh the link is in our show notes blackout coffee and by the way use that link in our show notes to go check them out pick yourself up a bag give it a try you'll be back and if you uh, use our promo code at checkout you will get 20 percent off on your first order j20 jay20 is the promo code that will get you 20 percent off your first order from blackout coffee thank you blackout coffee an american company helps promote our American values, our conservative values, works with local American farmers, local co-ops. Great, great company. We love these guys. Two pieces. Okay. Disease X. Disease X. That's the latest thing they're shoving down our throats. From Camus over on X. It's a great system we have. Some labs work on gain of function to produce the next pandemic. Others work on vaccines for the next pandemic. Disease X, one of the plans. One of the UK's most secretive centers of scientific research, Porton Down, aiming to stop the next pandemic in its tracks. Located in the Wiltshire countryside near Salisbury, UK, England, the new facility, one of the few places in the world equipped to research some of the most dangerous viruses and bacterias. The new vaccine research center, concentrating on three main things known, known infections that are getting harder to deal with, like antibiotic-resistant superbugs, potential threats like new COVID variants, and what they so lovely call disease X. Something unforeseen that takes the world by surprise. This is a lengthy report, about five minutes long. I am not going to play the whole thing. Just 
Take a quick listen here. The British government has unveiled a new vaccine research facility where scientists are working to prevent future pandemics. It's located at Porton Down, a high security research facility best known for its work on chemical warfare. Experts are preparing for what is known as Disease X or the next pandemic virus. Our health correspondent Dominic Hughes was given rare access to the facility. The delicate task of protecting the nation's health. This is one of the laboratories at Porton Down where scientists are analysing current threats, new variants of COVID for example, and trying to identify new ones. Inside these purpose-built labs, more than 200 scientists working for the UK Health Security Agency are helping to develop and test vaccines against a range of diseases. It's vital work to keep us all safe. So, one lab makes the virus. One lab makes the virus even more threatening. And another lab makes the cure. Both labs sponsored by or controlled by the same consortium of globalist villains, same evil, evil people control both ends. You know, it's like, it's like investing in war. It doesn't matter to you which side wins as long as they keep shooting bullets and throwing bombs at each other because you're making the money off the bombs. Doesn't matter who wins, you don't care. And it's not just about money. It's about total power power over you and I. Truly, that's really what it's all about. They like to pretend they are the heroes, but they openly run this attack against us. They don't even hide it. They don't even try to hide it. Gates and his crew can't keep their mouths shut about wanting to depopulate the human race. He says it out loud. And out of the other side of his mouth, he says, they want to save us. Save us from what? Ourselves? Evil. Absolute, pure evil. Keep an, that link to the whole BBC report is in our show notes. You can watch the whole thing if you want. Keep an eye on these people. Do not give them a moment's rest. Question everything. I am telling you the next pandemic has already been planned. They're doing it to us. And you need to stop being sheeple. Stop getting in line and following the herd. <laughs> Good video. Step out of line. Draw your own line and say no more. Say no more as it goes. Who was that, Monty Python? Say no more. Hey, these idiot anti-Israeli pro-Palestine morons. You know, have they no humanity? None? This is from the post-millennial links in our show notes. A bunch of anti-Israel agitators protesting outside a cancer hospital in New York City. Patients from inside the hospital watching out the windows. There you can see some of the uh, patients in the window watching this pro-Palestine protest. 
Uh, yesterday, a large group of anti-Israeli agitators descended on Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, Manhattan's Upper East Side, accused the institution of supporting genocide. Many of the crowd seemed to just not give a crap about those people inside, what they were going through, some of whom watched the procession from the windows. The loudest participants in the march made it clear they wanted them to hear their chants. We will continue to march as we talk about another complicit institution. A woman with a megaphone at the head of the pack screeches as they approach the hospital on New York Avenue, or York Avenue rather, between East 67th and 68th Street. Make sure they hear you. They're in the windows, she continues, pointing to those pressed up against the glass, watching what was going on outside. The rest of the marchers shouted, shame, and beat drums in the direction of the hospital. The woman leads the chant, MSK, shame on you. You support genocide too. Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, one of the most renowned, prestigious health institutes in America, recently received half a billion dollar grant from Ken Griffin and David Geffen, which will be used to transform, uh, transform care at the facility, research on discovering cures. Forget that. There are patients that this disgusting crowd of hypocrites wanted to make sure heard their chants and cheers and moans. Cancer patients undergoing treatments. We all know the horror stories of the treatments for cancer. Some facing the end of their lives. This is a hospital, folks. And these assholes screaming and yelling outside. Like I said, they have no humanity, no heart, no common sense. And they're just going to keep on doing it. They won't stop. They won't stop. You think I'm kidding? Here's from the Daily Wire. Take a look at this headline. We must normalize massacres. Oh, yeah. Anti-Israeli activists earns cheers from the crowd by yelling, we must normalize massacres. I assume this person supports the events of October 7th. Mohammed El Kurd got cheers and applause from the crowd. London police acted aggressively against so-called hate speech that falls into the left's ideology, not the right. A late response from the UK's Metropolitan Police included a plan to speak to El Kurd. The atrocities, this is this idiot continuing on. The atrocities the Israeli regime are committing in Gaza, some of the most horrific, brutal actions we will ever see in all of our lifetime. No, some of the most horrific, brutal actions we've seen in our lifetime already happened on October 7th, you moron. You misguided idiot. Again, this article also in our show notes from the Daily Wire. It won't stop. They will not stop. You enjoying this digital age we live in? My ability to sit here in a little studio 
in my house, broadcast to the world, wherever you may be, picking up your handphone, your GPS, your ability to take and look at pictures instantly. Remember the days like Polaroid cameras where you you take the picture and pull the, cam- the, the, the thing out and pull off the top and then you'd have to rub it with this awful smelling pink goose stick? <laughs> yes, I'm that old. So many advances. So many good things that have come out of this technological age we're shoved into. But it's not all good. Started out that way. Now, not so much. From reason.com. Interesting website. Check it out. Links in our show notes. When your heart, your heart, right here, you know, your heart. When your heart becomes a snitch. Modern medical devices, pacemakers, which have gone come a long way since the beginning. They are vulnerable to hackers. No, I'm not kidding. Wow, look at that. The writer here, who is the writer? J.D. Tassil. He says, given how much I write about privacy, it's surprising I now have a radio transmitter in my chest. But that's the kind of thing that happens when you walk into an ER with a heart rate that won't go above 30. The next day, roll out of surgery after the emergency implant of a cardiac pacemaker. Equipped with a radio frequency telemetry that allows it to transmit details about my health to medical providers. You know, back in the day when these things were first getting implanted, they just did their little job and off they went. There was no communication with the outside world, so to speak. Not anymore. Somewhere around 3 million Americans have pacemakers. Wow. In case you don't know, I don't know who would in this day and age, but a pacemaker basically uses electric electricity to regulate your heart rate. And many have implantable cardioverter defibrillators, which stops arrhythmia, irregular heartbeats. Some have a combination. But increasingly, these devices can be remotely accessed. Oh, yeah. They transmit health data to medical professionals, and the medical professionals can go in and, through the internet, whatever it might be, radio frequency, can change the settings of the pacemaker. A medical device that can be remotely accessed, running your heart, is potentially vulnerable to bad actors. Think about it. 15 years ago, a journal article pointed out researchers partially reversed the ICD communications protocol with an oscilloscope and software radio. Performed several software radio-based attacks that were able to retrieve uncrypted personal patient data, as well as being able to change the device settings. The authors of this study, article, said it's believed the risk of unauthorized access to an ICD is unlikely given the considerable technical experience required. Unlikely right up to the point when it happens. And then 
all hell breaks loose. Imagine that. You have this thing implanted in your chest, and it is possible, maybe not likely, but like, like he said, not likely right up until the point till it happens. It can happen. Bad actors can hack into and potentially stop your heart. Click, you're dead. <laughs> I'm telling you, somebody needs to do something about this because I don't think a VPN is going to help in this situation. You can't hook your heart up to a uh, virtual private network. And if you think there aren't some evil people in this world who would absolutely, absolutely do that in a New York minute, you are living in la-la land. And it doesn't have to be some of these Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates types. Just some wacky hacker in a back darkened room somewhere. And you're done. Wow. All right, since we mentioned Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all the rest of those evil people, as you know, the meeting in Davos going on, and in addition to figuring out ways they're going to get you and me dead and take over the world, they have parties, lots of parties. Parties like you've never seen before. The Daily Caller, Dana Kennedy, wrote this piece. <laughs> An eye-opener. Davos Party Secrets. Caviar. Magic Mushrooms. Champagne. And A-list private concerts. There's where this collection of communist Nazis takes place. 2500 dollars a night hookers. Secret dinners likely on the menu. As scores of private jets touch down in Switzerland starting last Sunday, just a couple days ago to bring the world's elite to the small alpine resort town of Davos for what is officially known as the World Economic Forum 2024. 3,000 masters of the universe expected to show up for this 54th annual event. The theme this year, Rebuilding Trust, <laughs> Good luck with that. We already know, folks, you can't stop the train. It's already moving, and it's not going to stop. We know what you're up to. We are calling you out every day. You cannot get away with it. You will not win. You can almost smell the magic, a regular to Davos told the Post. You can almost smell the magic of the place when you're there. Everybody's got an agenda. And you never know who you're going to run into when you come out of the restroom. It could be Bill Gates. You're around some of the smartest people in the world. Well, that's debatable. But one thing you learn is that they're not always so smart. <laughs> oh, look at that. Nice, huh? While you dine on bugs. Very nice. Nazi Klaus Schwab, portrayed as a real-life Dr. Evil, which is true. Probably more of a high-rent P.T. Barnum than a sinister global conspiracist. Last year, Vanity Fair pointed out Schwab developed the forum from an earnest meeting of policy wonks into a glittering assembly of the world's richest people. 
He ingratiated himself with those in power, especially the billionaire class. Everyone, by the way, there wears badges. And these badges, you have to wear it at all times. It cannot be covered. These badges and the color of the badge is a way of instantly recognizing what level of importance you are. There's a, here you go. That's the actual entry badge facts from Davos. Official delegates, spouses, working press, technical terms with reporters, permanent staff, volunteers, the entourage, and minions. So there's all their little layouts of all their IDs. Badges, the white ones, are the most expensive accreditation. They're also available to the very top tier of business leaders. And that's not just being a CEO. That's not enough. Oh, no, your company's got to be a household name, like Microsoft, or at least a household name in the biggest boardrooms. Name dropping is what it's all about. Some guy says, you know what? I've never left the mountain without learning something important or making a new friend. Other more lowly badges, rainbows of colors, given to the white badge holders' entourages, to less important CEOs and non-profit business bosses. Political heavyweights like Li Shang, Chinese premier, French President Manuel Macron, Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, press uh, envoy John Kerry, jostling for invitations to the best cocktail parties. <laughs> These people. And there's some of the spread, some of the layout, this will go along with your $2,500 a night hookers. <laughs> Private concerts. This is insane. Nile Rodgers, Will I Am, Cool and Dre expected to perform this year. Ah, oh, nice. I'm going to guess there's no bugs in that spread. These are the people who want you dead and are doing everything they can to make that happen. <laughs> and if you're an independent contractor bringing stuff back to America, California has this rule called AB5. Well, guess what? It ain't just for California. You know how I always say I cover the stuff that happens in Asia and Europe because it's like a test market. If it goes over there or they can work the bugs out, sure enough, next thing you see happening in Canada or come on directly in like it's an open southern border. California's AB5 has gone national with the independent contractor rule. And you need to pay attention to this idiot. Distracted by Iowa, Hunter Biden, Trump throwing Vivek under the bus, the Biden administration eroding small businesses. That would be you and me, snatching away the livelihoods of independent contractors through bureaucratic fiat. Julie Su, who's the acting labor secretary, quietly dropped a revised independent contractor rule January 9th, just a week ago. 
and it is, trust me, as bad as you think. Rep. Kevin Kiley, a Republican from California, he's been at the forefront of this war against independent professionals since his time as an assemblyman. It's official. Gavin Newsom's war on workers has just taken national by Biden and Julie Sue. They announced the independent contractor rule based on California's notorious AB5 law. It will put millions of us Americans out of work. Oh, yes. And that's a conservative estimate. Since 1922, there have been 57.3 million Americans who consider themselves freelancers, independent contractors, self-employed, entrepreneurs. The legacy media's tendency to lump all these categories together under the gig economy just simply frames it in people's minds as technology or like rideshare. But these are people like your dental hygienist, your soccer coach for your kid, fabricators, farriers, home health care providers, visiting nurses. 600 different professionals have been identified that would be upended or outright eliminated when this rule takes effect. Unbelievable. There's a list of some of the negative effects. Newsom's own former deputy chief, deputy chief said it's one of the most destructive pieces of legislation in the past 20 years. Folks, get on the phone, get on your email, write a letter, a good old-fashioned letter. Whoever your representatives are in Congress, let them know this cannot happen. Millions of people will be out of work, and they don't give a crap. They couldn't possibly care less. In our show notes, down at the bottom after the all the links for the stuff we talk about in today's show. The last one down is contact your representative. That'll take you to a site. You put in your address details and it will show you not only who represents you, but how to get a hold of them, how to get in touch. I couldn't possibly make it any more simple for you. It's right there. Use it. Let Whoever your representatives are, know that you are not going to put up with this. Fight against it. Draw that line. Draw that line and make sure people know you're not crossing over. All right, where's my... Uh... Hello, McFly. You know, there's been so much bad crap on the first part of this show. I had to end with something quick and sweet because we need something quick and sweet when we have nothing but bad news to bring you. And that's pretty much been what we've been doing tonight. Dogs. Uh, you know, my go-to. When I'm thinking, putting the show together, and I'm thinking, what am I going to end with the last story before our book? And when I get stuck and I can't find a, a post that I like, something inspirational or cute or, oh, you know, one of those things, I always go to the dogs because it works every time. Dogs are amazing. Look at this. This Goldie and this little kitten, very young kitten. It's just a few seconds long, about 20 seconds. Watch this. Look at this. Golden retriever. Oh, look at that. She's meowing. He's like checking her out. You okay, babe? 
What a sweetie. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you see, all the crap we talked about suddenly gets swept away and you feel better about life. A little bit. That's all right. It's something, huh? All right. We, um, we read books on our show for now. We are considering, by the way, um, not continuing after we finish Treasure Island. There's enough material every night of the week to put on an almost hour show covering even more topics, taking a little more time to bring you the other side of the news, what you may or may not be seeing. And uh, we've been looking at some of the numbers and uh, we do have a great audience. People enjoy, and I get messages from people who enjoy listening to uh, listening to me read classic children's books. We've done so many in the past. Right now, we are doing Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, and uh, we are getting towards the end, actually. But anyway, let me know if you have an opinion one way or the other. If you'd like to continue, if you'd like us to continue to read these uh, books, we will. Uh, if we get enough reaction, if you couldn't care less, you let me know that too. Or put it in the live chat. We're watching the live chat during our show all the time. We love to hear from you. And don't forget, please, to follow the show. If you have a free Rumble account, it's easy to do. Right down there is a green follow button. Just give it a click. That's it. You're done. We don't spam your inbox. We don't spam your email. So, uh, yeah. All right. We're going to continue on now with Treasure Island. I found each wave, instead of the big, smooth, glossy mountain it looks from shore, or from a vessel's deck, was for all the world like any range of hills on dry land, full of peaks, smooth places, valleys. The coracle, left to herself, turning from side to side, threaded, so to speak, her way through these lower parts, avoided the steep slopes and higher toppling summits of the wave. Well now, I thought to myself, it's plain I must lie where I am and not disturb the balance. But it is plain also that I can put the paddle over the side and from time to time in smooth places give her a shove or two towards land. No sooner thought upon than done. There I lay on my elbows in the most trying attitude, and every now and then gave a weak stroke or two to turn her head to shore. It was very tiring and very slow work. Yet I did visibly gain ground, and as we drew near to the Cape of the Woods, I thought I must infallibly saw, I must have infallibly missed the point. I'd still made some hundred yards of casting. I was indeed close in. I could see the cool green treetops swaying together in the breeze, and I felt sure that I should make the next promontory without fail. It was a high time, for now I began to be tortured with thirst. The glow from the sun above, its thousand-fold reflections from the waves, the seawater that fell and dried upon me, caking my very lips with salt, combined to make my throat burn and my brain ache. The sight of the trees so near at hand had almost made me sick with longing, but the current had soon carried me past the point, and as the next reach of sea opened out, I beheld a, slight, a sight that changed the nature of my thoughts. Right in front of me, not a half mile away, I beheld the Hispaniola under sail. I made sure, of course, I should I be taken, but I was so distressed for want of water that I scarce knew whether to be glad or sorry at the thought. Long before I'd come to a conclusion, surprise had taken possession of my mind, and I could do nothing but stare and wonder. The Hispaniola was under her mainsail and two jibs, 
and the beautiful white canvas shone in the sun like snow or silver. When I first sighted her, all her sails were drawing. She was laying a course about northwest. I presume the men on board were going round the island on their way back to the anchorage. Presently, she began to fetch more and more to the westward. So I thought they'd sighted me and were going about in chase. At last, however, she fell right into the wind's eye, was taken dead aback, and stood there a while helpless, with her sails shivering. Clumsy fellows, said I. They must still be drunk as owls. And I thought how Captain Smollett would have set them skipping. Meanwhile, the schooner gradually fell off and filled again upon another track sailed swiftly for a minute or two, brought up once more dead in the wind's eye. Again and again this was repeated. To and fro, up and down, north, south, east, west, the Hispaniola sailed by swoops and dashes, and at each repetition ended as she had begun, with idly flapping canvas. It became rather plain to me that Nobody was steering her. And if so, where were the men? Either they were dead drunk or had deserted her, I thought, and perhaps if I could get on board, I might return the vessel to her captain. Or the current was bearing coracle and schooners southward at an equal rate. And as for the latter's sailing, it was so wild and intermittent, she hung each time so long in irons she certainly gained nothing, if she didn't even lose. If I only dared to sit up and paddle, I made sure that I could overhaul her. The scheme had an air of adventure that inspired me, and the thought of the water-breaker beside the fore companion doubled my growing courage. Up I got and welcomed almost instantly by another cloud of spray, but this time stuck to my purpose, set myself with all my strength and caution to paddle after the unsteered Hispaniola. Once I shipped a sea so heavy, I had to stop and bail with my heart fluttering like a bird, but gradually, I got into the way of the thing and guided my coracle among the waves, with only now and then a blow upon her bows and a dash of foam in my face. I was now gaining rapidly on the schooner. I could see the brass glisten on the tiller as it banged about. Still no souls appeared upon her decks. I could not choose, but suppose she was deserted. If not, the men were lying drunk below where I might batten them down, perhaps, and do what I choose with the ship. For some time, she'd been doing the worst thing possible for me, standing still. She headed nearly due south, yawning, of course, all the time. Each time she fell off her sails partly filled, and these brought her in a moment right to the wind again. I've said this was the worst thing possible for me, for, helpless as she looked in this situation, with the canvas crackling like cannon and the blocks trundling and banging on the deck, she still continued to run away from me, not only with the speed of the current, but by the whole amount of her leeway, which was naturally great. But now, at last... I had my chance. The breeze fell for some seconds, very low. Current gradually turned her. The Hispaniola revolved slowly round her center, and at last presented me her stern. With the cabin window still gaping open, and the lamp over the table still burning on into the day. The mainsail hung, drooped like a banner, she was stock still but for the current. For the last little while, 
I had even lost, but now redoubling my efforts, I began once more to overhaul the chase. I was not a hundred yards from her when the wind came again in a clap. She filled on the port tack and was off again, scooping, skimming like a swallow. My first impulse was one of despair. My second was towards joy. Round she came till she was broadside on me. Round still till she had covered half and then two-thirds, then three-quarters of the distance that separated us. I could see the waves boiling white under her forefoot. Immensely tall, she looked to me from my low station in the coracle. And then, all of a sudden, I began to comprehend. I had scarce time to think, scarce time to act to save myself. I was on the summit of one swell when the schooner came stooping over the next. The bowsprit was over my head. I sprang to my feet and leaped, stamping the coracle underwater. With one hand, I caught the jib boom. With my foot lodged between the stay and the brace, I still clung there panting. A dull blow told me the schooner had charged down upon and struck the coracle, and that I was left without retreat on the Hispaniola. Cool! That's the end of chapter 24. Next time, tomorrow, we will uh, move on to chapter 25, which is called I Strike the Jolly Roger. Ooh! <laughs> Okay, folks, thank you so much for uh, popping by, joining me. Be sure you uh, give us a follow. Check out our great sponsors down there in our show notes. Buy something. Get yourself, a, get yourself a bag of blackout coffee and change your life. Help support not only this show, but a truly great American company, Blackout Coffee. Thanks, guys. All right, I will see you all again tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. Woo!